presenting to you the interactive space for critical and objective open thinking with Martian UFO produced by Martian UFO Media the best podcast on air with your hearty host catch episodes weekly on Apple and Spotify podcasts Awesome. All right. So welcome, Dr. Marissa. How are you doing today? I'm happy. Thank you. How good, are you? Good. Doing great. Thank you. I'm happy as well. Uh, so welcome to Floating in Space with Martin Yufo. That's the name of the show. Today, we're going to talk about you, your story, um, Asian hate, happiness, most definitely, your book, and a couple other things, probably. Um, so just, uh, just describe how you got here, a uh, brief rundown of your story and how you came to be in the position that you're in today. Well, um, I, I did not come from out of space. <laughs> as for <laughs> the of this show. But as we just found out behind the scenes in the green room, mm-hmm. uh, I was actually born in Canada as well. So, um, uh, uh, A, and uh, you know, O Canada. Oh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So I was born in a little town in Ontario called Kitchener-Waterloo, the Twin Cities. And um, I was, uh, obviously, uh, I'm not German, which is the largest settlement of Germans in, in Canada is in Kitchener, Ontario. Yes. And so I grew up uh, one of four diverse families in a very homogenous place. So. Um, differences. I grew up being discriminated against. Chinese, Japanese, dirty knees, look at these. And so that began my journey of um, not liking myself, uh, being different. Uh, being, I just wanted to look like everybody else. I just wanted to be the girl next door. Um, the funny part is I uh, learned uh, Spectoich. And so I would talk to my friend's parents on the yeah. phone. They've been you know, Marisa, and then I'd come and ring the doorbell. Their <laughs> 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 surprise, uh, I didn't look like who they thought I would look like. So um, I learned to to excel. I learned because I uh, I know you thought I was Swedish. I'm Chinese. Uh, I grew up with Tiger Mom and uh, a, a, a work and study ethic. That's all I did. I was interviewed yesterday, and they asked me, you know, what it was like uh, growing up, uh, you know, as a teenager. And I did not get into any trouble because all I was allowed to do was study. <laughs> An hour of TV a week. Like um, no, for no, no free radio, time. No, no radio until I was 17. Holy. I didn't. Movie, no radio 21 no radio no music nothing so so you know that truly shaped you know very fundamental uh, uh religion as well so between the chinese and the religion <laughs> completely sheltered and yeah. and uh, really not not happy at all not happy with who i was not happy with how i looked not happy with uh, what I thought of myself, I was, I was told I was fat, ugly, and clumsy as a Chinese motivator to be not fat, ugly, and, and uh, 
um, clumsy, but you know, well-meaning. People are well-meaning, but sometimes they're more mean than well. Yeah. And so I, I grew up, I'm one of the seven out of 10 of us who grew up with childhood trauma. And so I, I, I used achievement to try to feel good about myself, yeah. feel good about who I was. And achievement only goes so far. You know, you'll have people say, oh, wow, you know, look at you. And this is amazing. Is there anything that you don't do? And on the outside, you'd be like, thank you. I don't cook. I don't clean. But, you know, inside, I had a voice that said, you're really not all that. If they really knew who you were, they wouldn't like you. If they really knew that you're, you know, you're just all outside, nothing. You've got no depth on the inside. You really don't like yourself. You know, so it was a big imposter, uh, uh, hiding, you know, pretending that I was cool and and, uh, all that and okay. And inside I was not okay. And, and I, you know, even if you are not uh, one of the seven out of 10, uh, my honorable moniker, Oprah, says it's as high as eight out of 10. By the way, get this out of the way, how did I become Asian Oprah? I was actually introduced to Oprah as the Asian Oprah. So it was a a beautiful Michael Bernard Beckwith, my big brother, founder of Agape International Spiritual Center, is a friend of Oprah. She came, introduced me as this is uh, the one they call the Asian Oprah. (laughs) Asian Oprah. She looked at me, looked down, looked at me and said, nice pants. And I was like, you know, do you want them? No, I didn't say that. But that's, I had to stop myself from saying that. But anyways, back to, The majority of us, even if you're not one of the seven out of 10 or eight out of 10 who have had childhood trauma, somewhere around the age of 10, we pick up this critic. All of us do. I don't know one person who doesn't have that voice in their head. Actually, I did interview Marianne Williamson. She says she does not have that voice. So I don't know anybody else who doesn't have the voice that says, you should have done this. You shouldn't have done that. You should have said this. You shouldn't have done, said that. Um, how you know? How stupid are you? And how could you? Mm-hmm. Think so, so that voice that that absolutely stands in the way of our happiness. Uh, the one that you know, if you get ninety nine compliments and one insult, your mind goes to that insult. The one that says, "I'm not harder on anyone except myself." You know, I, I I'm my own worst critic, and I, I'm so hard on myself. So I have two words for anybody like that. I think you're probably like that because you, you nodded and I'm pulling a cup of <laughs> you. If you're doing you something like this, right? Standing out, doing something more, putting yourself out there, you probably have that very strong critic. And so I have two words for you. Ready? Take a breath. I'm ready. <sighs> Stop it. Two words. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. being right. so critical on yourself. If you cannot approve of who you are and what you're doing, how the fork do you expect other people to approve of you? I, I, you. you know, it's just like completely silly. So that's that's the message that I have. That's what I do for a living. I'm on yeah. a happy 88 mission. Eight 
88 million more happy people in the next eight years. I actually started with 8 million, but I'm already at 5 million because I was on tour in China and in the <laughs> Philippines before COVID hit. And so yeah. hit like millions of people, which is wonderful. So I, I just upped it this last week to 88 million because I need to have a goal because <laughs> that's part of me. And, and you know, that's what I do. I, 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 I really think we'll never get to world peace until we all have some inner peace. And we'll never get inner peace if we don't like who we are. If we can't figure out that we're okay. We're 88% fabulous. We're 12% screwed up, but we're 88% fabulous. So that's why I do what I do. That where that came from, the 80% um, versus being 100% happy all the time. Why, why 88 and not, not 100? <laughs> you're 100% happy, you're dead. It's not possible to be 100% happy because it is, uh, uh, you need the contrast. You don't have happy unless you have unhappy. So Absolutely. I don't have a bunch of dead people walking around. So why Why not 99? Well, a couple of reasons. One is, like I said, I know you thought I was Swedish, but I'm actually Chinese. And in yeah. Chinese, eight is the lucky number. It's a homonym for good fortune. So double eight is double good fortune. That is your birthright into happiness. So that's why 88%. The other reason why I chose 88% is for those of us, I would say at least 90% of uh, those who grew up with childhood trauma are perfectionists because perfectionism is a dis-ease that keeps us on our toes. So it reinforces that message that we're not good enough, right? So if we're always trying to be perfect, we internalize that we're not good enough. So I say 88 because it is the prescription for perfect, for getting rid of the dis-ease of perfectionism. If we aim for 88%, it, take, it allows us the humanness to have those 12% moments. I can be imperfectly perfect. I don't have to do everything perfectly and it's okay. Yes. If I, that's a skill. If you can soothe yourself with that truth, with that BS, with that belief system, you're gonna thrash around less, right? You're gonna get less defensive when someone points out your 12%. You know, when someone says to me, you know, you, you, just, you just stepped in. And instead of, what do you mean I stepped in? I don't know. I'm like, you're right. Okie dokie. Mm -hmm. uh, I was in my 12%. It allows me to play Candy Crush. It allows me to goof off and be lazy every once in a while. It allows me to cut people some slack. They're in their 12%, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, and right now, as divided as we are over everything, if we could give people the benefit of the doubt and the 12% slack, then we'll get along better. Absolutely, absolutely. And so for yourself, um, how did you come into, you know, that space of inner peace, inner love, loving yourself more and getting, you know, um, away from a place where you weren't thinking about what people are thinking, saying, and... Well, first of all, it's a it's not a light switch. So we're still on that journey. <laughs> I just got triggered yesterday 
and it, and and I think I was at thirteen <laughs> percent. <laughs> and it just took a lot of discipline, hashtag discipline, practice in choosing the better feeling thought. So to go back to your question, how did I? What was the turning point? I, I think there were a bunch of turning points.、Um, I remember the first conscious turning point was I was hired to be a facilitator at UCLA's、um, uh, School of Engineering and Management. They do tea groups or encounter groups, and、okay. it's a it's a it's a way of getting you to up your self awareness. And in order to be、uh, one of the staff and faculty. They were dying, by the way, so they had to get diverse and younger. So <laughs> both of those, but uh, uh, I had to go through it. And when I went through it, I had to come face to face with my own insecurities, with my own self unawareness of my own understanding that I was dragging my anger from my past into my present moment. And so that sort of, I, I remember that moment. That was my first. Oh, I'm not happy. I think I'm happy, but I'm really not happy. In the quiet time of my mind, I am not happy. So that was the start, and then I went through a horrific,、uh, expensive divorce. Why is divorce so expensive?、Uh, because <laughs> that's why in my book, chapter five is out of hatred into forgiveness.、Uh, I, you know, I grew up、uh, with the school of、uh, Cinderella. I thought you know, happiness was. Go to school, get a great job, get find a guy, get married,、yeah. children. You live happily ever after. Look at me. There is no happily ever after. So、no. that's a that's a BS right there. It's a belief system. It's the dark side of the American dream. You know, we're told that we're able or Canadian dream. You know, we're told if we do all these things, we should be happy. And and look at the deaths of Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade. You can have all those things and more, and you're still you're unhappy enough to off yourself. So something's wrong. Something's not. You know that formula doesn't work. So then, so then, if I've got the material success and I'm still not happy, I'm screwed, right? Because that's the formula I grew up with. So,、uh, you know, I'm not supposed to get divorced. I'm supposed to stay in a marriage where I'm extremely unhappy. I'm supposed to, all these BS belief systems I had to examine. And、um, you know the unhappiness brought me to、uh, trying to stuff my feelings and try to numb myself through alcohol, through、uh, you know all those traditional things that we use to try not to feel. Yes. When I was at that point of darkness, when I knew I you know I could not continue to do the things that I was doing. You know, my doctor prescribed me well-meaning, you know, sleep pills because obviously I wasn't sleeping, and so I, I, I was just whacked out constantly because、yeah. didn't like my life. I didn't like who I was. I was miserable. So when you reach that bottom, you know, you, you know, where is bottom? When you stop digging, when you, when you, you, you realize, you go, okay, this is not working. <laughs> a something's got to give, and then、yeah. that moment of something's got to give. I made a call. You know, I started uh, 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 realizing that I was using all these substances to to try to numb myself. I had to face myself.、Um, you know,、uh, because of traditions, I can't really speak to exactly what I did, but. 
just know that it began that journey of knowing that you know there's a there's a there's a power out there that's God and it's not me, <laughs> right? There's that that life is for me, not against me. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, you know I belong to a spiritual community. That you know I, that, that that was another step, and then the law of attraction. I'm a student of that, and that's another direction. So all of those things begin to stack up to um, uh, to to know that I am okay, that that beyond everything, I am okay. And I now have, you know, I grew up, I, I mentioned super religious and I did not, I, I'm allergic to religion. So I've come to this middle point now where I have a higher power, not a lower power. I have a God that I call my UPS man, my universal power. <laughs> I like that. Every morning when I pray and meditate. And Einstein says the most important question that a human being has to answer is, is the universe friendly or not? If you say the universe is not friendly, it's going to be a long haul. You know, you absolutely need to do something that you understand is for you and that, that you know, life is for you, not never against you. But it's a journey. And that's why I wrote the book. I didn't write this book as a psychologist to tell you how to be happy. I wrote this book, Eight Ways to Happiness, as one of the seven out of ten of us who have had childhood trauma, knowing that pain in life is mandatory, suffering is optional. And if you look at the book, there's exercises in it. So you got to work on your own behalf to find the the one-of-a-kind wonderful that's you. And I promise if you do all of the uh, exercises, you will never hate yourself the same way. Absolutely. And so the book helps you to be accountable, helps you to... Absolutely. Absolutely. And so why do you think, why why are relationships so hard? Why is it so hard for people to get along? <laughs> why are relationships, that's, a, that's an hour, at least an hour's time. <laughs> Let me try to sum this up. Um, do, I, I did a, a TV clip on this, actually, that's on my YouTube do relationships have to be that difficult? Do they have to? Why are relationships so hard? Well, part of the reason is because we're human. <laughs> One of my uh, guests who I love is a friend, Don Miguel Ruiz, the best-selling author of The Four Agreements, mm-hmm. says, you know, every person is the main actor in their own play. And we think that everybody else should be supporting actors in our own in our play. We but do. the reality is they get their own play. So why do we we have this expectation that relationships are easy? Why can't we just get along? Because we can't. We're all so unique and our only job is to work on our 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 edges, right? So if we work on if everybody works on their own edges we would not have so much pain bumping into each other, right? But because we walk around, you know, edge first, don't F with me, (laughs) (laughs) don't say something, don't push my button, of course relationships are going to be hard. Plus, I have a a model in my uh, chapter on out of heartbreak, breaking out of heartbreak hotel into love, and that is the pregnancy model of relationships. So the pregnancy model of relationships says, uh, the first three months, right? 
you're happy, there's the glow, you know, you meet yeah. so good and like I've known you my whole life and <laughs> been on the for hours and oh, isn't that so cute? He's late. Oh, it's so cute though. All these things. And then that's the first trimester, right? And then in that trimester, you make promises you can't fork and keep because you're your best, right? Your best self. You just yeah. shopped in the marketplace. You found you, your dark side, the the, the 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 rotting side of the papaya is on the underside, right? You're just showing the, the good side of the papaya. Everything out here. <laughs> yeah. So that's what people buy. And then the second trimester is when you have morning sickness, you have indigestion, you have swollen ankles, you don't feel good, right? So that's yeah, the real side, right? So, so this is when people go, you used to blah, 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 or I never knew that about you. Well, sweetheart, <laughs> it's always been there. You were in the glow. You had your rose colored glasses on and you didn't see it. And trust me, you ain't great either. You're, <laughs> the underside of your belly ain't pretty either. So then in the second trimester, you have people hurting people right getting angry intolerant all of that stuff and that's not that's not you know just back off for a second nobody is tricking you nobody manipulated you nobody's breaking promises everybody's just being themselves this is the real side this is the side that needs to show so that third trimester you can make the decision is there 80% good in this relationship or not? If it's 80% good, you're golden. Because nothing is 100%. If you've got 80% match with someone, you've got a great relationship. Your only job now is to quit focusing on the 20% that is not a match. Because if you focus there and make that 80%, you're gonna be miserable. Yeah. My clients who come to me, I do couple uh, coaching, and they're, they're, they're miserable. The, both of them are miserable. They both want each other to be different than they are. And so they'll come to, or singles will come to me and say, should I stay or should I go? And it's like, let's not look at should you stay or should you go? Let's look at, are you inflicting so much <laughs> angst and unhappiness on that other person? Would they be better off without you? Yeah. <laughs> right? right because if you're this unhappy with them i can't imagine what they're feeling if they can't do anything right in your eyes it's not good for them cut them some slack be nice to them let them go you know why are you constantly trying to make someone into someone they're not and this is that relationship thing. another don miguel ruiz thing if you want a dog don't buy a cat yeah. <laughs> right. Right. But we do that. If you are, if you know you are a punctual, adventurous, uh, uh, you know, uh, you love things that are different. You love trying new foods. You love going out for. Uh, you hate smoking. Please do not pick a person who is a couch potato who smokes and doesn't like to travel. Why nobody's so cute? Well, honey, <laughs> cute is not going to bridge the gap 
when it comes time to live your life. So be careful what your picker's doing. That's in the book as well. So so we got to take responsibility in relationships. They don't have to be hard, but you know, you are the one that's making it hard, not them. You are you a match for what you want? Yes. Right? Yes. If you're not a happy person, you're not a very easy target for relationships as well. Are you 80% happy? Don't get in a relationship until you're 80% happy. And then we'll have a lot of couples there. And quit blaming people when the relationship doesn't work. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we all had a BS belief system that said life is a book of we have a book of romance. This whole idea of till death do us part and you complete me thanks to Jerry Maguire and there's one soulmate just no. And my entire life is are you the one? Are you the one? Are you? You're looking at love in all the wrong places now. Am I saying? Am I advocating polyamorism? Absolutely not. It's actually funny. What, I have what do you think about that? Because polyamorism is. I have my show who said, who said I'm a poly, I'm a polyamorous, and I go, oh, yeah, you know, that's my middle name. You know, thinking he said Pollyanna. <laughs> oh uh, no. It's like, <laughs> uh, Dr. Marissa, that's not the same thing. So I'm like, oh. Sh- shiitake uh so no um what do i think of polyamorous if you are a polyamorous find a polyamorous and you'll be a match right it's none of my business what turns you on it is my business to know what turns me on and i'm not going to pick someone who goes against what turns me on that's my choice so you know this whole idea of there's only one there's only one to complete and therefore if i had the love of my life and they died or they left me then you're going to be doomed to unhappiness for the rest of your life oh please really you want to be unhappy you're choosing your unhappiness based on that one person that hurt you when you were 18 years old how old are you now 48 really Really 30 years you've allowed that one instant that happened when you were 18 years old mess up your love life for 30 years you want to keep going for another 50 your choice please please respect the joy ride of life a little bit more <laughs> you can tell I have no opinion on this yeah i mean obviously people have asked you this question a lot <laughs> so with the with the effects of the pandemic now currently you know the question yes. is that is it happy is it happy to be uh is it possible sorry to be happy during the pandemic and with people trying to get into relationships and dating you know absolutely. how do you think absolutely lockdowns everything that that affects people and it's and it's funny as you're asking this because i have to upload these um videos that i just took and there i'm on deadline so i apologize if i'm multitasking no, right no worries. just ping me and said where are the videos I was just on the beach path interviewing people about the vaccination passport, right? And so Cuz that's so that's huge, I, right? The vaccination that's exactly passport. Why, uh, you know why? So I'm just going to do this now assortment. I should ask you too. I mean, have you have you been vaccinated? Yes, yes. That's so assortment uh, of uh because I have not and I I wouldn't call myself an anti-vaxer, but just with 
all the propaganda, all the videos, all the news, people coming out about reactions and adverse effects, um, you know, seeing people. So, um, uh, go back to your first question. Is uh, first it question. to be happy during the pandemic? Yes. And the answer is absolutely yes. Because happiness is, but only if you understand that happiness is an inside out job. So let's talk about unconditional love for a second. People think yeah. of unconditional love as loving you no matter what. Actually, unconditional love is defined for me that works is no matter what the conditions are outside of you, no matter what's happening outside of you, can you find the little spark of life and love and joy that's inside of you and stay there? Can you do it? So I've gotten really good at doing this because I practice. So you too have to practice. So I've given you some tools to practice. One is called the 21 day fast from complaining with Dr. Mesa. Yes. You have a habit of complaining every single day, more than two times, you got a problem because you've developed a habit now of being unhappy. So let's not blame the pandemic for being unhappy. Because if I look at hashtag BC19, the time before COVID, all right, that's what I call it. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of unhappy people. There were a majority. There was a plethora of people who would say, just tell me what to do. Give me my paycheck. I live for my weekends. I hate my job. I hate it. I hate my commute. I hate the drivers. I hate my relationships, most of them. I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate. I don't like this. I don't like this. So, so don't blame it on the pandemic. Okay. You, most of us, were unhappy, at least 25%. One out of four Americans were on, are on, and now it's even worse, anti-anxiety and anti-depression. Oh yeah. Now, I'm not medication. I'm not saying that there aren't some people who uh, by chemistry, blood chemistry, need to have some balance in the drugs. But don't tell me 25% of our population are in clinical depression. It's not possible. Okay, when I went to school in traditional psychology, it was 0.02% of the population. In less, in a half a generation to go from 0.02 to 0.20, not possible. So that tells me that there, the unhappiness is a habit. Okay, so how, how the pandemic has made this habit worse now, that I will give you, okay? So it is, I, I don't, don't point your finger at me and say you have no compassion for people who died or gotten sick or lost their jobs or lost money. Baby, I got compassion. I'm one, okay? I went from traveling, you know, I was on tour, right? Uh, making good goods amounts of, of dollars, motivational speaking, book tour, speaking tour, the book sale, blah, blah, blah. All that's gone. So now I'm not, I do have absolute compassion for those who've lost way more than me. And there are a lot who've lost their businesses. And I absolutely, absolutely feel horrific for that. I have friends who've died. One of my guests, Don Wells, the beloved um, uh, uh, Mary Ann from Gilligan's Island. She, she was a guest, became a friend, she died because of COVID. Uh, Bernie Dorman died. I have a lot of people who died 
because of the pandemic. And if you lost someone close to you through the pandemic, my heart does go up to you. Now, am I saying that if that happened to you, you're supposed to walk around going, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. No, feel the pain fully. Feel the loss fully. Feel what it was. Don't try to bury it because it'll come back to bite you. And at the same time, please don't marinate in it. That's chapter two out of loss into faith. Because if you spend the rest of your life marinating and ruinating and ruminating in the loss, it will take you out. It will take your physical health out. It'll take your emotional health out, your mental health out. This is the thing about life. Tragedy happens. And if we can, again, weight lift our own ability to heal and grow and chisel and know that every painful thing that happens to us, even the pandemic, even the loss, has and flip side of growth out of the ashes comes the phoenix out of the ground and the deterioration comes a seed of growth all of this is happening we may not understand it i i have my first short film we're about two thirds done called ppp post pandemic possibilities i wasn't a filmmaker until covid you know, this was my co hashtag COVID silver lining, realizing I love doing this. All those stupid TikToks, <laughs> all, the, yeah. all the little videos that I do, I love it. So, so you know, there. if you can process through the pain enough, and people ask me all the time, how long? Well, there's no perfect formula. It is individual, but the moment that you have a choice, when you wake up and go, can I face this day? Can I choose to face this day not thinking about what I've lost, but thinking about what I've gained? There's your moment. When you can sit up and begin to do gratitude from that place of, you know what, ICBW, it could be worse, or INTBOAD, it's not that big of a deal, or I choose. I choose at this moment to step forward even through the loss. And I have on my mirror in the morning that says, if nothing changed, in if nothing changed, and this was a lesson from Michael Bernard Beckwith, which is why I call him my big brother. Mm -hmm. He helped me. I came in with all this justified anger about what happened to me as a child being abused. I came in with all of this justified anger uh, with the millions of dollars that I lost in the divorce. I came in with all of this hatred and resentment and anger. And he asked me that question. If all of these things happened exactly the way that they happened and you cannot change them, what developed, grew, was, birthed in you, what quality skills and abilities were birthed in you as a direct result of what these tragedies were. And I stopped and I it was like that heavens opened, you know, the thunder sounded, the lightning went, I went, oh my God, oh my God, literally. Do you mean that there's purpose to pain in life? Do you mean that 
It's not what happened to me. It's what happened for me. Yeah. Oh my God. Are you telling me that life is fundamentally conspiring for me, never against me? Oh my God. Are you telling me that despite all these, oh, I'm getting shivers. In spite of all of these horrific things that happened to me, they were actually there to chisel me into the glorious being that I am. Oh my God, does that mean I don't regret, if I had the, uh, if I had a genie that said, you can snap your fingers and go back and do everything again and do it differently, would I take that wish? Absolutely not. I do not regret one iota of the pain that I went through, the losses that I went through. I do not regret one single thing because I know that who I am right now is chiseled from every single horrific thing that happened to me. And dang it, I like 88% of who I am. I am one of a kind, wonderful. I am loving, I'm loved, I am lovable and wrapped in a warm blanket of worthiness as are you, Mr. Martian. As are you, every single person who has accidentally found this broadcast. Because I know that about you. And if you don't know that about you, it's okay. I'm holding that truth for you until you can own it yourself. Because I know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. Of a doubt. We are all humankind. We're on a joyride of life. There's we, I don't know where we came from exactly. I don't know where we're going exactly. I do know that I'm here and I can make this life what I want. I am not destined. Life does not suck. I'm sorry. Life does not suck. Absolutely <laughs> life not. is amazing. But only if you look for the amazing. So... Sure. Take a bite of my gratitude sandwich. That's your. That's the other tool. 21 day fast from complaining. Go sign up on my website, drmarissa.life. $21 to join. If you manage 21 consecutive days in a row without complaining, I give you double your money. If you end up complaining, no worries. The $21 goes to my nonprofit, my Eight Ways to Happiness 501C that helps children, teens, and young adults who are temporarily unhappy. So it's a win-win. So that's one tool. The other tool is the gratitude sandwich. So take a bite of my gratitude sandwich. First thing in the morning when you wake up, do not start doing this. Do not step away from the device, right? Sit up, take the breath through the nose. Do it with me. Good. And release. Soft shoulders, soft elbows, soft knees. Another deep breath in. Good. And releasing all the stories and the drama. One last deep breath in. Connecting with me through chi, eternal energy, the breath of life that connects us all. When I breathe, I don't take nothing from you. When you breathe, you take nothing from me. We're all connected through this thing called life. Now, eight specific things that you are grateful for. How much time do we have? We got, we got all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. We all have all the time. I don't have all the time. So. Well, not all, not all day, but we got, we got time. We got time. Okay. So we're going to play a little game. 
Okay. So I'm going to take a bite of my gratitude sandwich. Eight specific things that you are grateful for. You cannot say friends or family as specific as possible. I'm going to go one. You're going to go one. I'm going to go two. You're going to go two. Are you ready? I'm ready. I got you. Okay. So I am grateful for getting to splatter all this um, rose-colored Kool-Aid on everybody <laughs> in your in your audience. That's one. Go. I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak with you today and just having this platform to, to have this conversation. Okay, that's two. So I'll come back with two. I'm grateful that I know who I am and whose I am. Go. I'm grateful that I feel like I belong in uh, you know, a community that accepts me for who I am. I'm grateful that I um, have a discipline, hashtag discipline that I practice every day. Uh, including 15 minutes of meditation where I have no thought and connect to the power that is. I'm thankful that we have all these tools out here, you know, uh, like yoga, uh, breathing exercises, free resources to help ourselves, you know, every single day to make it a good day. I'm grateful that uh, every single grain of sand on the beach is different. Every single drop of water uh, is different. Every blade of grass is different. Every leaf on a tree is different. That shows me how unique life is. Yeah. I'm, I'm thankful for working legs that, you know, take you for walks and, you know, you're able to see as much as you can versus driving and um, seeing the world in a different way. Good. You're good at this. Thank I'm grateful <laughs> for my sense of truth because I love good food. I'm thankful for the ability to cook and that people put out great recipes that you can copy and follow. Okay. Um, I'm grateful that I know that I'm funny. <laughs> I had a husband who told me I was not funny every single day. And I, <laughs> the best part of divorce is owning my fun, funny. Absolutely. Uh, I'm thankful. Yes, I'm thankful that I am not a parent yet because I still think I have things to learn from life and I have you know, lots of time to, to take my time right now. I'm grateful for two beautiful inside and out daughters, Chloe May and Sarah May, who, who Sarah Wei, uh, May is Chinese for beautiful, Wei is Chinese for serenity. Um, and are, you know, the best thing that came out of the marriage. One more. Oh, one more. I am thankful for um, not ever having experienced divorce. <laughs> grateful that I've never experienced divorce. <laughs> like that. Mm. Yeah. Um, I am grateful that I'm happily divorced and that you don't die when you get a divorce and you can heal from divorces. And if you are one of the seven out of 10 of us who have had childhood trauma, it's very common to choose people who treat you the same way, not maybe if uh, with physical abuse or any kind of abuse, but they treat you in the way that validates your unworthiness. So that's why we pick as we do, and we don't have to do that. But if you do, it's not that big of a deal. You'll okay. Yes. All right, that's eight. So that's the top of the gratitude bun. Now, here's the trick. And, and Dr. Wayne Dyer talks about gratitude, the importance of uh, gratitude. He says five in the morning, I yep. say eight because of the lucky number thing. So just did eight. The bottom is appreciation. Now, a lot of us out there are taking sleep drugs because they have problems sleeping. And part of the reason why you have problems sleeping is because we're perfectionists. And instead of laying our head down and saying, good job, 
did I do the best that I could with the time that I had and the resources that I had and I'm a good, you know, everything's going to be okay. We go to bed going, oh, I didn't forgot to do this. I forgot to do that. Oh, I can't believe that person said that about me. How dare they? And stupid thing on the news. No wonder you can't sleep. So the eight appreciations are, what do I appreciate about myself? So self-soothing and self-care is a skill. And if you got this skill down, which requires daily discipline, daily muscle, reps, the whole bit, mm-hmm. then you're not going to have a problem going to sleep. So what are eight things? We're going to do this again. Back sure. and forth. Eight things that you appreciate about yourself. Ready? Go. One. I appreciate my uh, kindness. Kind to, to everybody. Yeah. I'm caring. I'm funny. I'm funny. Yes, you are. <laughs> I'm patient. I'm impatient. <laughs> I'd say uh, when people say thank you for being patient, I always look over my shoulder to see who they're talking about. <laughs> okay, so go. Uh, charismatic. Yes, good. Uh, creative. Uh, I'd say creative as well. I still charismatic. Ah, uh, there we go. Six. Uh, six would say, oh, geez, now it's starting to get hard putting me on the spot. I appreciate the sense of style. There we go. That's I'm good. a fashionista too. Go. Uh, sense of good taste and food. Uh-huh. Um, adventurous. Adventurous? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to steal that one as well. Okay, that's eight. And my last one is, oh. <sighs> I'm fabulous. <laughs> there you go. 20% of the time, not all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So there you go. So if you sandwich your day, gratitude and then appreciation, you're going to have a great day. And then if you throw in the 21 day fast from complaining, you yes. cannot go wrong. You really will, your entire life will change. I, I promise. You know, that's, you know, that's why I, I love doing what I do. The, another hashtag COVID silver lining is I do coaching I, and I didn't have time when I was on tour, but I, I love working with people. So if you're not feeling as happy, if you're not 80% happy, you are definitely um, wasting your time and you will not get that time back. So if the buck stops right over here and you want to be happier, ping me up. First session is extremely discounted at, at $88 and we'll just, you know, go from there. Number. I, there you go. <laughs> yeah, because, I, you know, that's my mission. There's, we'll never get to world peace until we get each individual in the place of peace, inner peace, peace of mind, peace of mind. That's why I always say at the end of the show, peace in, peace out, world peace through inner peace. And that's why I watched that on your YouTube. That's right. That's good thing to do, yeah. <clears throat> and so, just on the topic of world peace for a second, uh-huh. uh, that kind of ties into the um the asian hate like why do you think that's happening right now why do you think asian americans are being targeted by hate crimes right now um well i'm gonna give the answer again that that drives people crazy is there's many reasons and and this is part of the problem we have as americans is we are always looking for that one single answer the magic pill whatever and we don't understand that we got here 
for multiple reasons. And so we can't just fix it by fixing one thing. We gotta fix it by fixing like all fronts. I'm a systemic um, uh, scientist. And so multiple things, you know, factor in. And so we gotta hit all of those things. Sorry, little, little uh, 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 I'm a retired professor. So as a systems uh, theorist, uh, why did we get to uh, where we are with the Asian Americans? Number one, we had a president who said Chinese virus, Chinese flu, Kung flu. So it gave permission to uh, hate, okay? And uh, it's not just Asian Americans, obviously. George Floyd uh, is an example of, of and so it, it's been open season on people of color because yeah. it's been okay to do that. Another reason is when we started, I'm one of the, I'm proud to be one of the pioneers of valuing diversity back in the mid nineties in, in California, at least, um, to help businesses and, and companies in Los Angeles County with, uh, you know, this is a skill area. Interpersonal effectiveness and valuing diversity is a skill area. It's not something you learn in school. So, you know, when we did that, however, that whole idea of political correctness drove prejudice and discrimination underground. So I will credit that president with one thing, and that is he ripped off the band-aid that was covering all of the infection that had been driven underground and festering. So the good news is we are now aware, woke people, right? We are aware of what's going on. And as a psychologist, you know that nothing can change unless you become first aware of it. You cannot walk around with justified ignorance anymore, even though conspiracy theorists are. I am asking everyone to recognize and acknowledge that it smells, <laughs> you know, it really stinks around here. It, it, there's, we've got issues. We need tissues and more for our issues. <laughs> okay. So that's weird. But people have now um, gotten complacent in awareness because if you have awareness without the willingness to do something about your awareness, I'd rather you be sleeping. Because there's nothing worse than aware people who are doing shiitake about their awareness. So I'm using my platform now to bring on AAPI, Stop AAPI Hate. I had a panel of Asian community leaders. I had, uh, you know, I'm, I'm addressing the topic because we have to be willing to talk about what you permit, you promote. So we cannot permit it anymore. I'm grateful as well. I am. Uh, uh, just the press uh, really just went out. I got hired to facilitate listening se sessions in the Asian American community. Okay, so for the city of Santa Monica, for, I did it with the staff yesterday. I'm doing. I get to do it for the community um, um, next week. So, so for that, that's the uh, another uh, why it's because because we just don't do anything. And another reason is. There are cultural differences. So people who keep saying to me, I'm colorblind, uh, I don't see color, we're all, we all bleed. I'm, I'm trying to be very patient with them, but it's very, or, or all lives matter, you know, 
about the Native Americans, what are, you know, we can't just focus on one. It's like police, Pol- and that's being nice, police. You know, this is exactly why uh, we're where we are, is because of this intolerance to um, calling things what they are. Asian Americans are being beat up, okay? Elderly Asian Americans are being beat up, right? It's not, it's not okay. And this didn't start with Atlanta shootings. This started back when COVID first came out and somehow this virus that started in Wuhan suddenly transferred itself to an Asian looking girl in a class in college so nobody would sit by her. Hello, hello. Okay, crimes that have been happening have been happening. I signed a petition in June because major uh, media networks were not covering AAPI hate. Okay, so it took a forking shooting to get it in there. And now people are saying, ah, you know, you're focusing too much on that just because you're Asian. It's like, uh, fork you. Yeah. Is that like obviously when people say that, like how does that make you feel when somebody, you know, comes and minimizes Exactly. And I, I get it. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to talk about how color has become a a, a, a bad thing. But we have to be able to talk about, we have to be open about, yes, all lives matter, but let's focus on the group that is not mattering right now. Yeah. <laughs> or mattering in a negative way because okay the other thing is another another uh, place of, of uh, that we can work on is because of political correctness we don't want to talk about differences because we think we're stereotyping and the reality is we have to talk about differences because there are differences groups have differences but it's complex not all the people in the group have those differences the majority do okay mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with the differences. Here's the ticket. Can we talk about differences where we're not damning the difference? That's a good word. I've not said that before. <laughs> so it's a good sentence. Here's, here's, the, here's the example. When you walk by a microwave and you smell something that doesn't smell like you like it, the automatic knee-jerk reaction is, Ugh. God, we need rules. You know, how can people put that stuff in there? <laughs> so, so difference equals less than, difference equals bad, difference equals fear, difference equals hate. That's what we got, folks. So, am I saying whenever I bring this up, well, but I don't like it? I'm not asking you to like it. I'm not asking you to go to the other extreme of, Oh, let me try some of that. I love that if we're in food, blah, 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 blah. I'm not asking you to do that. That's extremism. That's Americans, group differences. We are extremists. It's all or nothing, right? Is it good, bad, right, wrong? What category does it go into? Same thing, you know, what's the one solution to this? We got away from that. Part of the, the skill area is how can we be comfortable with gray? So what I'm asking is not hating it, not hating the difference, not loving the difference necessarily, <clears throat> but the middle ground, the balance is, can we be curious about the difference? Can we say, hmm, I'm not sure I want that, but I wonder what it is. That, folks, if we could get to the 
to, to, to being okay with differences in that way, then we won't have George Floyd. Then we won't have punching elderly Asian Americans just because of their skin color. Yeah. But we all have to do this. Yeah, the top effed it up, forked it all up, but that he, he couldn't have done something that wasn't already there. Our country has issues. We, we were built on the backs of slaves. Hello, can we just stop pretending like that didn't happen and just go, okay, yeah, I get it. You know, all these people that we have touted as, you know, the forefathers of our country did it on the backs of people who had no choice. We stole land from Native Americans. Can we just be okay with admitting that? Okay, now that we've admitted it, now we can fix it. Now we can all watch 13th as the documentary. And we can all watch U.S. versus Billy Holiday to understand that. We can all, you know, understand that in the Asian culture, in the Chinese culture, in Chinese and Japanese, the nail that stands up is hammered down. So we're not the model minority. We are, we, we are not, uh, uh, we don't, we didn't learn how to speak up because we're told don't speak up. Yeah, I'm a constant source of embarrassment to my Chinese relatives. Oh, my culture is the same. Right? I got a big mouth. I'm not supposed to have a big mouth. So, yes, am I an Asian woman? Yes. Am I a, do I, is there a group difference uh, of some, um, you know, uh, 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 that there's, there, that we, that we serve? Yes, that's a group difference. Am I like that? Absolutely not. When a guy says to me, I've always been attracted to Asian uh, uh, women, I say, I will not cook for you. I will not clean for you. And you're back because we'll have heels off. So I follow that. So the complexity is, who am I? I'm a woman. Now, do I have qualities that are kind of like the majority of women? Yes. Am I unique in some ways? Well, I like my door uh, uh, opened, right? But I, I'm not going to... I'm not going to judge those women who feel that that takes away from their power. I'm going to respect that. So here's the last thing I'm going to say, because I'm going to need to go, and I know we're running up at the end of the hour, is yes, yes. if you want to respect people, don't ask people how, what's the rule? What's the right term to use? You know, is it okay to say oriental or not? Don't try to understand why it bothers many Asians to be called a rug. Don't, if you don't understand it, it's okay. Just respect it anyways. It's called building a bridge versus a wall of judgment. So yes. that is how we all start. Yeah, well, man, thank you. Thank you, Ms. Uh, Dr. Marissa. Thank you for being here on the show, for giving all that value and speaking about those topics. Um, we did have just a couple of minutes. Um, I guess, you know, tell people where they can find you. Uh, different social media sites. I did put your website up in the in the notes, but you know, tell people about the website and your initiative. Absolutely. If you want to be part of the Happy 88 mission and support me in my work, here's what you do. You go to drmarissa.life, you put your email in there so that I, I, I rarely splatter, but I do uh, once a month I try to send out an email just to let you know what's going on and let, let's say you're in Santa Monica right now and you want to come out and, and uh, be part of the listening session to support your Asian brothers and sisters, you can do that. So that's drmarissa.life. Um, the products in there that I would love you to support, one is getting your own copy of Eight Waves to Happiness. The audiobook is there. You can yes. get it cheaper on Amazon 
at Target, Target or um, Walmart <laughs> now. But if you want a signed copy, uh, it also benefits Habitat for Humanity, so it's a win for win. The audiobook, I actually speak about it. You can get that on uh, Audible, but you can also get it on my website. I have a children's book called Mommy's What Are Feelings, and uh, it was written uh, years ago. My daughters did the uh, drawings on okay. this. Very is nice. Yeah, this is what is, what is mad. So for $25 donation to my nonprofit, you get a copy, a downloadable. You can uh, print it as a coloring book for your children to help express their feelings. It's been recognized by the autism community. Um, also, if you shop on Amazon, I know you do, just go to Smile Amazon and go Eight Ways to Happiness. Use that link. The prices are the same, but a little bit goes to uh, uh, the my nonprofit 501c. Doc Balance on Instagram, Dr. Marissa everywhere else. My YouTube channel, please do free subscribe. That helps me uh, fund a little bit as well. Um, there's tons of videos, my red carpet uh, videos, my my interviews with Halle Berry, John Travolta, uh, Quincy Jones, lots of cool people. My past 400 plus shows. Um, I've got dolphin videos, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> That'll it's, make somebody happy on a bad day, huh? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. For That's sure. Right. Yes. Yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Awesome. And hopefully the listeners get some value and people reach out to you, to your YouTube, your website. And I think this will be, this is good. So all right. Somebody. And I'm going to tape something right now and make you do this. Gotcha. Uh, here we go. So. Repeat after me. All right. Then. Sorry. All right. This is Dr. Marissa reporting live. I've just been interviewed on Floating in Space with Martian UFO. And uh, I'm going to sign off now with my traditional sign off. Hey. Ready? Peace in. Peace in. Peace out. Peace out. World peace. World peace. Through inner peace. Through inner peace. All right, beautiful. I like that. Oh, oh wait, it didn't. It didn't take one more time. Oh no! Okay. <laughs> I love doing it twice. Let's do it. Dr. Marissa reporting live from my loving room, where I just got interviewed on floating in space with Martian UFO, and I was on the hot seat. So here we go. Signing out as I usually do. Peace in. Peace in. Peace out. Peace out. World peace. World peace. Through inner peace. Through inner peace. Have the best day ever. You as well. Thank you very much. Bye. All right. That's it. Uh, yes. <laughs> All right. Good broadcast. Perfect. And I'm going to have to run because I got to make sure that they got this before the deadline. Gotcha. But it was nice talking to you. For sure. Enjoy the rest of your day. Send me the link. And I will. I got you. Definitely. All right. All right. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. That was uh, Dr. Marissa. Thank you for watching that episode of Floating in Space. I'm going to take that uploaded onto my YouTube. It's on my Facebook profile, my Facebook group and Facebook page. You can check it out. As you know, she's a psychologist. She obviously focuses and is an expert on being happy. You can check out her website, drmarissa.life and check out uh, martianufo.media. That's my website. This is Martian UFO on floating in space. Keep floating. Take care of yourself, uh, your spiritual health, your emotional health, obviously, physical. Get outside today. Get a walk in. Get some sunlight. It's kind of cloudy. But, um, yeah, take care of yourself. And I hope 
that everybody enjoyed that. Um, go back and take a listen, a watch. Um, she provided a lot of value, uh, a lot of things that people can listen to that's going to help um, people that aren't getting <clears throat> that message today. I know, you know, people are having some hard times, some hard days. So I think that's going to be some good value, some good knowledge and some good information for everybody to help better your day and better your happiness. Remember, you can't be happy 100% of the time, only 88 and 88 is the lucky number. And yeah, I'm going to stick by that now. So take care, have a good day and keep floating.